Well, welcome, uh, everyone. Uh, my name is Keith, if we haven't met. I am the uh, lead pastor here, and we are in week seven of a series called Everyday Jesus. Uh, for those of you who may be visiting with us, we talk a, a lot at New City about, um, about our identities. Um, we talk a lot about how every believer, according to passages like Matthew chapter 28 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, is more than a person who is forgiven of sins and, and waiting on heaven. Um, much more than that, uh, in Christ we are made new creatures. We are made new creations. Our identity is changed, like completely. Um, we are made sons and daughters, for example. We are made sons and daughters in Christ, sons and daughters of, of God. Like we, we were strangers to Him. But in Christ, our sins are forgiven, and we are made children of the Most High God. We, we are sons and daughters. That is a new identity. It is who we are, sons and daughters. From the moment we believe, forevermore, we are children of God. We are also made missionaries. It's who we are in Christ. We are made missionaries. We are brought in in Christ, we are brought into the great mission work of Jesus to see others redeemed from sin and reconciled to, to God, their Father, our Father. We aren't a people, again, who are simply waiting around on heaven trying to live a good moral life. We are ambassadors for Christ. We talked about that. Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians 5, ambassadors for Christ. We are His representatives. We are here representing Jesus Himself, engaged in the same mission that, that He is about. We are, we are missionaries. We are missionaries where we are. We are missionaries as we go. Each one of us, all of us in Christ, our identity is changed, and we are missionaries. Now, as we've talked about this um, in, in this series, everyday mission for us, for us as just regular people living in, in, a, in our hometown, going to work, raising a family, doing the things that we do, being on mission in the everyday is for most of us a really, a really new concept. So what we've been doing as we've been talking about this is to look at the Gospels and look at the life of Jesus and get some glimpses um, from Jesus of what mission in the everyday looked like. Our, our hope is to learn from Him, um, to learn how He went about mission, so that we too can, can see better how to be missionaries in the everyday of life. So our passage this morning, right, we're, we're, the title is Jesus Went to Funerals. And we are looking at a pretty familiar passage in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 45. I'm not going to read all the verses. I'll read a good number. If you have your Bible and you want to follow along, I'm just going to walk through the story that's there. And we'll start with this. Jesus went to a friend's funeral. Jesus went to a friend's funeral. So maybe you remember Mary and Martha from the Bible. How many of you remember Mary and Martha? That's good, good. Mary and Martha were sisters, and they were followers of Jesus, but they were more than just followers of Jesus. They were friends. They were friends of Jesus, and Jesus loved them, loved them. Mary and Martha also had a brother, and his name was Lazarus. 
Lazarus became ill, and it was a sickness that, as we read the story, um, was pointing to death, would surely end in death. So um, his sisters were very distraught. They loved their brother. They knew that if Jesus was just there, if Jesus was with them, Lazarus could live. If Jesus was present with them, he could heal Lazarus. So they sent. They sent people to find Jesus and to bring them to their home. Verse 6, verse 6, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. So he, he's telling the disciples, let's go back to Judea. He knew what had happened. The disciples began to debate with Jesus on whether they should go back or not because there Jesus had been threatened by the religious leaders. So finally, this debate goes on for however long it goes on. Finally, Jesus says to them in verse 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Now, the disciples thought that Jesus meant that he was literally just asleep. In verse 14, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Four days in the tomb. By now, Lazarus had died. His, his friends and relatives had, had gotten word, uh, people from the surrounding towns, all who would come to console the family had come. They had gathered together, um, and, and now they get word that Jesus is coming as well. So Martha, hearing that Jesus is on the way, runs out to meet Jesus while he is coming. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Martha then went back and she told Mary. Mary rushes out to see Jesus and, and the people who had gathered, thinking that Mary was going to the tomb, uh, follow her. Verse 32 says, now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And when he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Verse 38, then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. 
Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Verse 45, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. In the beginning, when God created Adam and and Eve, creation, we are told, reading the Genesis account, creation was good. God looked at it after creating Adam and Eve in the garden, and he said it is all very good. God gave them the garden and all that was in it. Really, God was giving them the world and everything that was in it, all of it but the fruit of one tree. God said, it's all yours, but the fruit of this one tree, don't eat the fruit of this tree. In the day that you do, death will follow. We know the story from Genesis. Eve was tempted. Eve took of the fruit. Adam watching on, she turned and gave it to Adam. They both had eaten of the fruit. With that, sin entered into the world, and so did death. The generations of Genesis that follow all end the same way. And he died, and he died, and he died. Every generation since Adam and Eve took of the fruit of that tree has ended the exact same way. Death. Everyone who lives faces death. Everyone. Everyone who lives faces death, the death of, of a friend, the death of a family member, someone that we know, a co-worker, someone that we love, sometimes our own death. It was not the way of creation. Death is not the way that it ought to be. Death is the result of sin and the fall. Lazarus, a friend of Jesus, the brother of Mary and Martha, was sick, and he died. Jesus arrived four days later while family and friends were still mourning. Thankfully, funerals don't come our way every day, but they do come. They are a part of life for us. For Jesus, we get a glimpse of one of those funerals. For Jesus, they were a part of life as well, and they were a place for mission. Let's talk about how that was. Jesus went to the funeral of his friend. Jesus brought hope to the family. Jesus brought hope to the family. When Martha ran out to meet Jesus, Martha said, if you had been here, Jesus, if you had been here, you could have saved him. But even now, since you're you're on the way, you can save him. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, shall 
live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. You are the promised one. You are the Messiah, the Son of God who is coming into the world. What Jesus was doing in this brief interaction, what Jesus was doing was reminding her that no matter, no matter what had happened or, or what was about to happen, because of who He was and what He would do, whoever believes in Him will not truly die. He's reminding her. He is reminding her of the good news that He was indeed the promised one. He was the one promised by God as early as Genesis 3.15, the serpent crusher. He was the one who, who, who came to forgive sin, to save God's people from, from the wages of their sin, which is death. And he was reminding her that one day because of him, no matter what happened, there would be a great reunion with her brother. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the good news of the gospel for all who believe when it comes to death. One day, one day we will be together with those who have gone before us as believers. One day there will be an amazing reunion and there will be a great celebration and we will see them again. Is, is that not good news? This is why the Apostle Paul said that, that while we grieve, she was grieving. And Jesus is reminding her that while she grieves, and there is great reason to grieve, the Apostle Paul says, we, 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 we don't grieve like those who are far from God and without hope because we have this hope, the very hope that Jesus was reminding her of. We know that this is not how it ends. This is not how it ends. Jesus was reminding Martha, even in her grief, this is not the end. Because of Jesus, there is hope. Jesus was bringing hope to her and hope to the family. And then in the story, Jesus did what only Jesus could do. Jesus restored Lazarus. Jesus approached the grave, as we just read, asked them to remove the stone that sealed the tomb. Martha warned Jesus, Jesus, like, look, there's no chance this guy was just asleep or unconscious. She's like, Jesus, don't roll the stone away. It is going to be bad. He's been in there for four days. The smell will be horrible. The stone was rolled away, and Jesus lifted his eyes, and he gave thanks to the Father, and then he called Lazarus from the grave, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus rose, and he came out, wrapped in his burial cloths and linens. Verse 45 says that, that, that those who saw him, those who had come to the funeral, and, and they saw what Jesus had done, believed. Jesus did what only Jesus could do. He raised Lazarus from the grave. Now listen to me. The chances are pretty slim that you will ever get to do that. Call someone up out of the grave. I mean, that, is, that is what Jesus does. In that moment, 
Jesus was demonstrating that, that, that for all who, who were there, for all who were there at the funeral, Jesus was demonstrating to them that he was indeed the promised one. Jesus was demonstrating that, that he was sovereign over, over nature, that he was victorious or, or, and would be victorious over death. He, he was demonstrating that he is the one who was sent to save mankind, that he was the one who, who, who was sent to redeem and restore, to forgive God's people and bring them to the Father. Now, here's where we usually stop in the story. I mean, that is beautiful, and it is absolutely amazing. And, and, and I believe that is a, a, a large part of what we should see in the story, that, that Jesus is indeed the promised one. And, and, and like the people there, like the people there, seeing the hand of God, seeing the Son of God do what only He could do should also give us hope in Him and should lead us to faith, right? The faith that he is indeed the promised one. But, but I don't want to stop there. I want us to see that there is, there is more here. Jesus mourned with those who mourn. Jesus mourned with those who mourn. Jesus was not present when Lazarus was sick. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he made his plans to go and see with the family to be with them. But he delayed. He delayed for two days immediately. He delayed for two days. Jesus, Jesus seemed to know that this was the Father's will, that, that he delay, that he not go right away. Jesus seemed to know that the Father had something big in store, something that would lead the disciples and others to believe that this was who Jesus was, an incredible, incredible miracle. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that all of this was for the glory of God, and, and, and again, so that many would come to believe. Jesus knew that, and Jesus delayed, but Jesus came. Jesus came because He loved His friends. In fact, He delayed because He loved His friends. But verse 5 is clear, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved them, so he came to them. Jesus loved them, so he came to be with them. He came to be with them in their suffering. Look, look at verse 33. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, they were mourning, it says he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Verse 34, and Jesus said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And what did Jesus do? He wept. Verse 38 says, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. The Greek language uses words like deeply and greatly as modifiers very sparingly. And so when we, when we see those modifiers attached to, to, to words, um, they, they are there for, for emphasis. They, they, the writer is being very emphatic here that, that Jesus was in, in, indeed deeply moved in his spirit. 
Jesus saw the sadness and the, 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 the mourning of Lazarus' sisters and, and friends, and, and he, was, he was moved in his spirit. It says he was greatly troubled. Jesus was hurting for his friends. This was gut-wrenching for him. To see his friends suffer and weep. This is a glimpse of the God who is near. The God who is near to us. The God who knows us. The God who sympathizes with us. God doesn't just look from afar. He, he knows intimately the pains of death. He knows, our God knows, the, 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 the loneliness of loss. Jesus was experiencing that. God with us, he was gut-wrenched and he was weeping at the sorrow and the hurt of his friends, weeping over the loneliness that they felt for losing their brother. He wasn't just aware that they were suffering and, and mourning. Jesus felt it deeply. And he entered into their suffering. This is what it means when the Apostle Paul says, mourn with those who mourn. Weep with those who weep. One of the greatest gifts that Jesus gives us in our suffering is the presence of a friend. friend who is willing to enter into our suffering as he entered into theirs. A friend who may not have the answer that we are longing for, but who mourns with us. A friend who is, is deeply moved and troubled, knowing our fears and loss. A friend who truly weeps with us. A friend who joins us in our hurt and sorrow. And a friend who, who when the time is right, when the time is right, will remind us gently that we are not without hope. Now listen to me on that. The message of hope in the midst of suffering is right and good, and it is what ultimately sees us through our suffering. It is the reason that we mourn, but we don't mourn like the rest of the world who is without hope. Listen to me. This is a message best received from one who will patiently and with love enter into suffering. The suffering one needs to see and to know that like Jesus, you are deeply moved.
deeply moved from the love that you have for them. They need to see that you are troubled. They need to know that in their suffering, whatever it is, whatever it is, and this is not just death, but whatever their suffering is, they need to know that they are not alone. that they have not been forsaken. Suffering will come to someone near you, to someone you know, to someone that you love. Now listen to me. When it comes, when it comes, you will want to freeze. When it comes, by nature, you will want to freeze, maybe, maybe to send them a card, maybe to take them a meal, and those things are, are great, but what you will want to do is to stay a safe distance away from them, or, or, or maybe to enter just, just long enough to share a verse, hoping to quickly bring all of their hurt to an end. Don't do that. Be like Jesus. Be present in the suffering. Be patient. Be willing because you love them to enter into their mourning. I know what you will think when the time is, is there. I don't know what to do. But I don't know what to say. Can I tell you something? It's a little secret. Keep with us. Neither do I. So when I do enter into the suffering of others with others, I only know to say I am sorry. I am so, so sorry. It is not supposed to be this way. I love you, and I am here for you. And then I try to be, to be an ear, to hear, to be a hand to hold, a hug, maybe a shoulder to cry on. And when the time is right and the opportunity comes, I, I am ready to point my friend to the only hope that we have, Jesus. Jesus went to funerals. But I hope that you see it is much more than that. In love, Jesus entered into the suffering of his friends, and he wept. He wept for them, and he wept with them, and he hurt. He hurt for them.
And he reminded them that one day he would fix the brokenness. Listen to me. Jesus still does that today. Healing the brokenhearted, offering the hope of the gospel. He does it through friends like you. New City, this too is everyday mission. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would remind us of the goodness of Jesus. Remind us of your goodness. That ours is a God who doesn't just know that we suffer, but who has suffered like us. The God who joins us in our fears and our struggles and our hurts as we suffer. Father, I pray that's the people that New City would be. people who love enough to not always rush in to try to fix what is broken, but who are willing to patiently weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn and gently point those who are suffering to the hope that we have in Jesus. We love you. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.